Good to see many faces again back. It's been kind of a crazy day today. Uh, it's one of those days. It's, it's gloomy outside, kind of a little rainy. And then we got here and things were kind of uh, just uh, a little out of sorts. And the music team stepped up and different things like that. We have some of our staff are out today. They're sick. Don't have COVID. Don't panic. Don't spread that online. Uh, they just, we thought best for them to stay home with colds and things. The weather's changing. I know uh, some of you are fighting that and then school happening. And it's just a chaotic mess right now. Can we give a hand for that? Yeah, uh, that's our lives. Um, if someone says to you that they have it all together today, look, can we just all be in agreement that they are lying and they need our prayers? Uh, uh, so if you're watching today, we're glad that you're here. Life is messy. We continue to say this for six years. We'll continue to say it. And it's even messy in this house today. But we're glad that we know our God and Savior cleans up the messes of life. And so that's our message. And we're glad that you're here. We're ending a series today called Reset. Uh, how many of you would say, I can identify with this, Mark, when you say, I wish I could have that conversation back? I wish I never would have said that. The moment you say it, in fact, I'm not going to share it with you, but in the last service I said something and I wish I could take it back. Uh, and, 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 and we live life uh, wishing some things. Uh, most importantly, there's sometimes we wish we had a reset button. Uh, I wish uh, sometimes when my, my children have been 16, I wish I had a reset button to go back two years. Uh, uh, that was a joke. It was funny. Ha, ha, ha. All right. That took a nosedive. Um, but reset. I think we can all agree that there are times that we all feel this way and we wish we could push reset on things in our life. One thing I know uh, we could use when it comes to pushing the reset button is our relationships with each other in this world. I don't think there's been a time in human history when relationships have been so broken and dysfunctional. This world is so polarizing right now, and I'm afraid it's going to get worse. We have so much to be concerned about. The presidential debate did not give me much hope, but it just made me aware of how we have lost our way when it comes to how we treat people in this world. I've heard this statement so many times the past few days with our election, and you've probably said this, and let me, let me just give you all my thoughts before you cast judgment on this statement. Many of you probably thought this or said this or heard somebody say this. I've heard it several times in the last few days. This is the best two we could come up with to be our president. I say yes because they represent a system of a bigger problem in our society. We usually get who we are. We have broken relationships. We have relationships that are so polarizing. We cancel people and criticism and pointing out what is wrong has become the new thing when it comes to relationships. How we would do it better. How we would have said this or have done that. How we would have handled this situation. And we have a tendency in our human flesh more than ever before to go toward criticism and lean into criticism and, and pointing out the wrong in relationships. Our society, unfortunately, many of the relationships we're building on are from common enemies instead of common interests, which won't last long. Any relationships, you can put this down, that are built on common enemies and not common interest will not 
last. Our society needs a reset on relationships. We need Jesus followers to bring back God's love through relationships. The love of God is needed more than ever to be shown in our society today. The love of God is needed to be shown in our homes, in our relationships, with children, children with parents, marriage, in society. I believe that's what's needed most of all. I think one of the most familiar and well-known stories and well-loved stories in the Bible is that of the Good Samaritan. And this story really gives us the best example of how we should bring back the love in this world. If you go with me in this passage of Scripture to Luke chapter number 10 and verse 33. In Luke 10 and verse 33 it says, But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, can you read the next words with me? Ready? He had compassion. He had compassion. He saw the man. He had compassion. I believe that we live in days where there needs to be less opinions and criticisms and more of the spirit of compassion that the Good Samaritan shows, and this should be displayed in the lives of Christians more than ever before. You see, before we talk about the Good Samaritan, would you just go with me on this story for a moment? Before we examine the story of the Good Samaritan, we must understand the context of the story. Here's the setting of the story. If you look in Luke chapter number 10 and again, and look at verse 25 through 29. It says, a lawyer. Everybody knows it all starts with a lawyer. It's their fault. In fact, we have an elder that's a lawyer. Don't trust him at all, please. I'm just kidding. A lawyer. Let me give you the background. You see, in this passage and through this journey, Jesus had 77 disciples, and they were going out and spreading the gospel. And Jesus was in a private conversation with them, and a lawyer passed by this conversation, and he interrupts the conversation. And he says, a lawyer who was an expert in the law of Moses asked Jesus a question to test him, saying, teacher, which is Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? In reply, the lawyer said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This was a true statement, and it's still true today. I believe with all my heart you cannot love God properly without loving people properly. The fallacy of Christianity today is we think that we can separate the love of God and the love of mankind. The Bible throughout all the New Testament, Jesus speaks of the new law of loving God and loving others. And so the lawyer had that down. He, he, rep, he represented the law. He spoke the law. But, but listen to what Jesus says. Jesus affirmed that he had answered correctly, saying, do this and you will live. But the lawyer wanted to justify himself by bringing into question who qualified as neighbor. So Jesus, here's the setting, a lawyer interrupts, and a lawyer tries to get Jesus to trip on his own law. 
It's pointed out that you're to love God and to love your neighbor. And then the lawyer tries to find the loophole. How many want to witness on picking on lawyers today in the name of Jesus? And he says this, but the lawyer wanted to justify himself by bringing the question who qualified as a neighbor. In this passage, Jesus is not discussing how to be saved. Let's get this out in the open right now. But he's helping the lawyer see a problem in his heart. You see, here's the issue of life. The issues of life come out of the heart, not the head. If we would connect the fact that our heart is the issue of life, how we guard it, what we give to it, what we accept, what we love, what we care for, that's an issue of the heart. And Jesus was talking about the problem in the lawyer's heart. You see, he thought that being good and keeping the law was the most essential issue. But using a simple story, Jesus shows that it's a matter of the heart. The most important thing you can hear today is your heart could be in trouble. Your heart could be in trouble. Look at the story, the parable Jesus tells him. You look at verse number 30, you see a traveler. He's traveling, and in verse 30 it says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. He was mugged, he was robbed, he was beaten. Let me give you some facts about the road that he was on. You see, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was 17 miles of rugged, dangerous territory. Get this. The altitude decreased 3,000 feet, and there were many caves and rocky places for thieves to hide. He wasn't walking through a cornfield on a sunny day. Then the travelers were continually in danger which explains why the Jewish man was attacked that day. And then you see in the story the, the religious passerby, they call. If you look with me in verse 31, it says, on the same day, two other men. These two men were religious men. They were passing by. They were both religious. The two other men were also going down this road. The first one was a priest who served in the temple, offering sacrifices to the Lord. And when he saw the man lying in the road, he passed by on the other side. He crossed the road. He probably didn't cross it correctly in a traffic crosswalk, but he crossed the road. He saw this body laying here and he crossed. The religious person left and walked around him. You know, I, I would like to spend a moment and bash religious people, but I'm going to not do that. I think we could all spend some time sometimes bashing religious people. But the fact is, is we all are a little righteous sometimes. And if you think about it, here's where our mind goes now in our human nature. You read this, it says, when he saw the man lying in the road, he passed by on the other side. The next man was a Levite whose responsibility it was to take care of the temple. He was taking care of the temple. And he too saw the dying man, but passed by on the other side. But before you cast judgment in the story, you need to know a little background. Although they were both religious men, they didn't stop to help. 
Since the man on the road is described being half dead, they may have thought he was already dead. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. We always go to the negative, right, instead of the positive. If you give them the benefit of the doubt in their religious circles, what they believe, they were not to touch a dead body. They didn't touch a dead body, and so they, they, they looked, and they went around him, and they kept going. And then there's the Samaritan that enters the story. In verse 33, several passages of Scripture. Let's let's break this down together real quick. It says, the next person to come down the road was a Samaritan who was on a journey. The Jews and Samaritans wanted nothing to do with each other. You have to understand, they would walk opposite sides of the road. They would do the opposite things. They actually hated each other in some instances. And here's the Samaritan. Number one, it's a Samaritan looking at a Jew. Number two, he was on a journey. He had a plan. He was on his way to a destination, but his destination was about to be interrupted. And the Samaritan wanted nothing to do with each other, yet when he saw the injured Jewish man, he felt compassion. He bandaged up his wounds, verse 33, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. This was an amazing kindness, yet the Samaritan man did even more. He says this, on the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. He didn't just stop, but he helped. At the end of the story, Jesus asked the lawyer, which of the three proved to be a neighbor to the man who robbed And the lawyer had to admit that it was the Samaritan because he'd shown mercy. Jesus' command to the lawyer is what we should take heart today. Go and do the same. Go and do the same. Can I just be transparent with you? This last month has hit me hard when it comes to the weight of so many relationships. Toxic relationships, broken relationships, hurtful relationships. You look around and you see so many people hurting, so many hateful, judgmental statements and actions with people. It's been disheartening even to watch people who call themselves Jesus followers the way they behave online and the way they behave with other Christians and what we say and what we do in the actions. We expect it from people that don't know Christ, but it's amazing to me how we act. My heart breaks, and unfortunately, part of my job is to help deal with broken relationships. My heart's heavy. Many of you going through issues of life. This week, several people telling their stories and being discipled right now. And by the way, there's a movement of discipleship at Hamilton Hills. You ought to be a part of it. But anytime anyone leans into Jesus, the enemy tries to pull them back. I've shared with people, men who have lost their jobs, concerned and worried about providing for their family concern students about life. And I must confess, it gets discouraging to watch people go through these issues. 
hurt. Students that feel like there's no hope so they want to take their own life. We're dealing with mental health issues more than we ever have before, and there's issues of life right now, divorce, and, and there's uh, children being abused, and, and, and it seems like the world and the enemy of God is winning. I'm sad to see how COVID-19 has torn the church even apart, so to speak, as a whole. You see, we've related the gospel with prosperity. We've related the gospel with success. We've related the gospel with uh, uh, no problems in life. We've related the gospel with no pain. And that's a false gospel altogether because God never promised us an easy street on this broken world. He promises hope and his return to take us to heaven, our home, one day. And our country doesn't have a shortage of needy people. Would you all agree with that? Our country doesn't have a shortage of people who are hurting. And the question I have to ask is, is God's people willing to help? Are we willing to help? I've been convicted lately even talking to a man who just lost his uncle this week and he was here serving in and you know how people say, uh, when you say something, hey, I'll pray for you. And half the time, or more than half the time, we don't pray. Those are just kind words. I've even tried to practice from now on how if someone, I say I'm praying for you, I start praying even before I end the conversation. People need our care. The Christian life is not something we merely do on Sundays by going to church. Our Christianity should be displayed in our daily lives. We've equated church in America to a weekend event, and then we live as if there is no God the rest of the week. But God and His sovereignty gave us the means to show hope. You see, our Christianity should be on display. And I do not believe that most people have a goal of being self-centered. I don't believe that most people have a goal of being spirited. I don't believe that most people have a goal of being controlling. I don't believe that most people are even a goal of being divisive. But I do believe that it happens when we drift from absolute truth in our lives and we let the messiness of life take over and we start self-preservation. But that's not what a Jesus follower is called to do. While the world gives self-preservation, we are to give ourselves away. While the world hoards their life and everything in it, a Jesus follower to show hope, a Jesus follower to be like the Good Samaritan is to give their life away and to give their things away and to give time away so that they may know who Jesus is. And for years... We've equated Christianity with personal success and tangible goods, but this was not what God promised at all. Those of you may be watching online, I had someone this week say, I'm done with church. I've had people say, I'm not coming back. Well, God let me down. I've had people say, how can a God do this? And those are all good questions to a point. But this world is a broken world, and we were never given the promise of a perfect marriage and a perfect life and a perfect childhood and perfect students and perfect this and perfect that. But his promise is eternal life from the sin-sick world and hope in the return of our Savior. 
Can I get you to see for the next few moments five important things you can learn from the story of the Good Samaritan? There's five important things you can learn. I believe what this world needs is more people to be Good Samaritans and less talk about who's going to win the election. I believe more people need to talk about not the issues of life, but show the care and compassion that God calls us to show and care. And before you accuse me of not being involved and doing my duty, I believe you should vote. And I believe you should vote as a citizen. But I believe you should vote with biblical principles. But other than that, we are to show the compassion and love of Jesus Christ. But here's what we need to learn. Here's the first one. He was aware of his surroundings. He was aware of his surroundings. Although three men physically saw the critically wounded man, only the Samaritan looked and stopped to help. Before we can meet needs, we must be aware of them. Have you ever heard the term, if that was a snake, it would have bit you? Anybody? Some of you may have been bitten by a snake. Hopefully that's not the case. But if you walk by, if someone walked by a snake and you, or, 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 or someone else, and I had someone say that to me the other day, I was looking for someone and I was looking in the wrong direction and they said the words, if I was a snake, I could have bit you. I said, thank you for not being a snake. Let's move on. The statement is said to people when they walk by something or someone and don't even notice. I'm afraid we live that way these days. We're not even aware of the people and situations around us because we're engulfed in our own little world. Our words can hurt. Our actions can push people away. And, and we're not aware of that. And I believe one of the biggest barriers, and I'm probably going to upset most of you watching online and in this room, and I love you, but I need to tell you, I believe one of the biggest barriers of being a good Samaritan in our times today is social media and a phone. And here's what I picture in our day. I picture this. I picture someone being mugged down the street and I picture us having a problem because our thumbs are moving or we're looking and we're scrolling and we trip over the body instead of help the body. I mean, I believe now that police officers ought to pull over pedestrians for crazy walking. I'm trying to joke, but it's not working because this is a heavy subject. Can I just, I, I, my, my goal today is not to get you to give up social media, with, but I, I hope, I wish all society would to a point. But my goal today is to get you to see that there are certain barriers in every moments of society, and this is a big one. And it's so big. Let me give you some statements that may help you with that. Smartphones and social media are the new drug of choice in homes. They hooked parents, disconnected them from their kids, distracted us from who is truly important and taught us that likes equal self-worth and now our kids are modeling us. Kids need our eyes and our love and validation more than ever before. Showing your kids you love them is 2% effort and 98% just putting down your phone. Fake news travels six times faster than true news on social media. 
That means there is a six times advantage that fake news has over true news. Now listen to this. People show bias toward false information because we've allowed unregulated messages in our digital life so truth becomes boring in our normal life. Conspiracy theorists, rumors, and lives destroyed have become normal behavior because no one really knows what is true anymore and we are dividing our country over it. Former Twitter executive. I'm a prosecutor for online sexual exploitation of children's crimes. The perpetrators, every single one of them, found their victims on social media. There was no exceptions. I challenge you to do research on TikTok. You say, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not harmful. I've got it regulated. So did the Christian family in Utah that almost had their 14-year-old girl abducted as she was doing sexual favors on TikTok for three months. Social media's negative effects on youth mental health and too much screen time is the underlying link to the current epidemic rise in teen depression, anxiety, eating disorders, which is on the rise again, by the way, self-harming, suicide ideation, and suicide itself. And we must teach our kids that their worth does not come from likes, followers, or Snapchat streaks. As the world shouts constantly to them that our kids, that their worth does not come from likes, followers, or Snapchat streaks, you are not enough, the world shouts. We need to shout you are perfect just the way you are. Our phone has become our digital pacifier. I've been guilty of this. Anybody else, you're going to admit it today? Life's messy or you guys all going to freeze up and I'm the only yahoo and, you know. Reach for the phone for no reason. Oh, we're bored. We can't keep our mind controlled. Our kids are growing up with phones in their hand and we're seeing the effects before our eyes and the studies are still being done and the effects we don't even know because we think it's okay or we've got it regulated. And you, our phone has become our digital pacifier when we're lonely and afraid. Reaching for the phone to deal with it makes those feelings worse and not better. Creator of the Facebook like button. Let me give you some practical helps to stop these addictive behaviors. Can I just say this to you? Uh, don't be discouraged. Just admit, be, be rigorously honest. You may have an addiction to your phone. You're not the only one that's battled this. But let me give you some advice that many of you are not going to like. And I hope we'll be friends. It is Pastor Appreciation Month, so give me some likes. <laughs> Number one, turn off all your notifications. You talk about liberation, freedom. Turn off all your notifications. I almost thought about just doing, get your phone out, go to the settings and turn them off. Keep digital devices out of bedrooms. I just lost the whole crowd. We'll see you next week online. I'm just kidding. And here's one you're going to have to fight, and some of you are going to maybe have to correct, but I hope you have the courage to do it. No social media until 16. It's even proven. I'm going to give you some websites to even look at. It's even proven how it is changing the brain. And our kids are growing up with social media and their realities are not reality, which then is putting pressure on mom and dad to live a non-reality life with money they don't have in the bank account. Determine a time budget with your family by asking the question, what is it a reasonable amount of time? I'm not just talking about kids. I'm talking about to your spouse. I'm talking about to yourself. 
I had somebody the other day. I said, hey, uh, uh, be careful with, with your social media. Uh, uh, maybe you should ask yourself, what's the reason about time? He goes, I, I don't spend any time on that. I said, do me a favor, pull out your iPhone. He pulled out his iPhone. I said, go to the, the weekly time. He finally found it. He looked at it, and he put his phone on. I said, well, what, how much is he? He goes, I don't want to talk about it. Determine how many hours a day you'll be on social media. Do not click on any suggested content. Videos, watch this video next, click on this link. It is an algorithm that will send you down more and more spiral of a non-reality world to waste your time. There's studies right now even on this and I believe more and more is going to come out and we're going to see the effects of why we can't be good Samaritans and why our spirits are down and why we live anxiety and depression and we don't see because we don't have the awareness around us number three recognize when it's time here we go this is mom and dad single mom single dad take some deep breaths ready get fired up your kids know by now, you won't delete their social media so they keep breaking the rules. Let's surprise them all and delete their social media. You say, aren't you afraid students will get mad at you? Yeah, but they have short-term memory. They'll get over it. <laughs> I was telling someone the other day, I have two adult children now, and they are my best friends. You want to know why? Because there were times when they thought I was their worst enemy. Because I would not keep moving the stake I put a stake in the ground and said, my job is to protect her. My job is to say no. My job is to protect you. Some of the things I'm ashamed of as a parent and I had to correct when they were younger was the social media. But I'm telling you today, we don't see because we're not aware and we're teaching students and children not to be aware and we're growing them up in a fantasy world and the first sign of hurt and the first sign of sorrow and the first sign of depression, they all fall off the wagon. Why? Because they've never been faced with true reality. I'm almost done and then we can continue with the sermon. Don't be the parent that think their child's okay and that they can handle it. Because I'm telling you, you'll be with much regret. I spend hours, hours with adults who have grown children with issues now because of social media and they wish they could push that reset button but it's not available. I spend hours with people that are adults that have lost their marriage lost their relationship with their children and are so self-absorbed because of this issue, this barrier. We have to be aware. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to the next point. Are we still friends? Everybody in the room? It's not going to get any better. Here's the second one. He lived a life of compassion. There's a difference. The difference between the priest and the Levite's gaze and the Samaritan was compassion. The Samaritan saw the helplessness and suffering of the dying man. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. Can we go back one? I have some uh, helps, real quick helps, quick sources. I think everybody should watch the documentary Social Dilemma. That, that'll help you. But there's a website, savethekids.us. There's a podcast you can listen to if you're a parent to help you with this. Here's the irony of this. You're now taking photos of the screen with your phone. <laughs> anyway, 
All right, now we'll go back to the next point. The Samaritan saw the helplessness and suffering of the dying man. Stay with me. I'm having some fun here, but these are issues. My goal was not to come and and preach this awesome message. My goal was to try and help us as Jesus followers and those that may not know him, that there is a difference in the way we can live our life. And one of the ways we show people is through compassion. You see, listen to this. Even though he knew that pausing on this dangerous road could result in being attacked and robbed himself, his compassion overruled his caution. Sometimes a Jesus follower's compassion must overrule our caution or we'll never be able to put compassion on anyone in our life. The Samaritan... Instead of being preoccupied with his own safety, he focused on the suffering of another. And these actions are difference of opening your heart to someone and having your heart strings pulled by the sad situation. Let me say this again. You ready? Compassion, these actions, are the difference of opening your heart to someone and having your heart strings pulled by the sad situation. There's been times when I've said, man, I feel so sorry for them. And then there's times when I've entered in when compassion with them. There's a difference in us saying, oh man, I feel so bad for those people. Man, my heart's been heavy because there's so many needs around, even in our own community. It's getting worse and worse, the needs. And, and, and man, my heart's heavy. And I don't want to just have my heartstrings pulled. I want to get involved somehow. It's amazing, many times in my life, I'll look at situations and unless they're personal to me, I really am not compassionate. Anybody else like that? Even the fires out west, I I I was sorrowful for the fires, but I really didn't have compassion for the people in the fires until it hit my family. And unfortunately, that's what happens. We don't get serious about it till till it hits us and, and, and compassion is different. It's born out of us. We have to help. Here's the next one. He helped physically. The Samaritan didn't just feel sorry for this poor man. He relieved his suffering by pouring oil and wine on his wounds and and bandaging them. But if he had merely treated the wounds and left him on the road, it wouldn't have been much help. You see, the Samaritan didn't leave him behind. He lifted him on his donkey, brought him to the nearest inn, and took care of him. He physically got involved with the person and his problem. You say, Mark, it could be overwhelming. There's so many people with problems. Yes, but there is our part and God's part. Our part is if there's a need in front of us, guess what? You are the miracle and the answer maybe to that person's problem by showing compassion and getting physically involved. We can't help everyone's need, but we can sure help the people around us who God puts in our life their need and show them who Jesus is by stopping and they are important. Here's the fourth one. He opened his wallet. Since the Samaritan was on a journey, he needed to continue traveling. He allowed his journey to be interrupted, by the way. You know why we can't help people a lot? It's because... We're too busy because we got to get to our journey. We got to get to we got to get to the place where we're going. So I would love to help you, but I've got to go this way. And then he opened his wallet. He 
Instead of simply dropping him off and leaving him, the Samaritan paid the innkeeper to look after him. Then he promised to return and repay him for whatever more he had spent at the inn. You see, the Bible tells us wherever our heart, our treasure is, there our heart is also. You know you're bought in when you give your money. The problem is, is we've let consumerism buy us into things that don't make life change. We're stuck in debt. We're focused on how big and better we can be. We're focused on financial security. And some of those things are important. But if we allow the consumption of finances and what we want to overcome us, we then will not be able to help with compassion, someone in need. And when you give your money, you're bought in. You're bought in. It's important for us to buy in and give of our time, our finances, and our help. Here's the last one. He gave us time. I think that this is probably the most special one of all when you look at it. The Samaritan was willing to have his trip interrupted in order to offer aid to a needy, helpless man. Man, I've been here six years. It's been the best six years of your life. (laughs) Just seeing if you're still listening. I came, pastored in Las Vegas almost 13 years, and it's a 24-hour town, and it's so busy, busy. When we looked at coming here, we thought we were coming on easy street. Slow town of fishers. Friends I told didn't even know where it was at. Like, what are you doing? And they would call it fishy, fishy, fisher, fishers, cornfields. What are you doing? And I thought, man, I'll tell you what I'm doing. We're going to chill. We're going to have more family time. It's going to be easy. And my word, you people are nuts. Vegas has nothing on you in your time. Ball games over here, ball games over there, this family outing. Oh, it's Halloween. It's harvest time. We got to have pictures at a pumpkin patch. Two weeks later, we have to have pictures at Christmas. We have hot chocolate. We have ice skating. We have this. We have that. We have this. Ah! I love it, but we're busy. You want to know the way to tell if you're being an agent for God? Pushing pause on your busyness and putting a blessing on a person in your life. People ask me all the time, how how do you know? I'll tell you how you can know. Are you giving anyone outside your home your time? You see, show compassion is to care to someone in need. Listen to the statement. You ought to write it down. This may help you. Time is the love language of anyone that is in need. Time is the love language to anyone that is in need. Anyone that's hurting. Anyone that's discouraged. Anyone going through issues, if you give them your time, that is their love language that they need. 
That's it. That's the message. Five characteristics that we can learn from the Good Samaritan. What we see in the Good Samaritan is the genuine Christ-like attitude. And today we don't like opportunities to be Good Samaritans. Would you agree? None of us lack opportunities to be Good Samaritans. But we must first see the needs, feel compassion, and be willing to be inconvenienced in order to give our time and resources to help. Listen to those again. In summary, if we want to be a good Samaritan, or I would like to say we want to be a compassionate Samaritan, I'll sum it up. See the need. Feel compassion. And be willing to be inconvenienced in order to give our time and resources to help. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm dealing with some heavy issues. I would say more than ever in my ministry career, just about everybody is having to deal with heavy issues. We keep trying to control things that are out of our control while we allow needs to pass us by. And I'm not preaching to convict you. I'm preaching just to tell the truth even in my own life. What this world needs is Samaritans. You see, as we allow the love of Jesus to flow through our hearts, we will understand more and more what it means to love our neighbor and change the world around us. I I love this. This is how the parable ends. After he tells the story of the parable, then he gives these last two verses I think are important I want to give you today. I love how Jesus responds to him. In verse 36, he says this, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Verse 37, the lawyer says, the one who showed mercy to him. And then Jesus said this, go and do the same. That's it. We have our assignment, and our assignment is to go and do the same. But here's the issue. The one the lawyer said showed mercy. If you are a Jesus follower, if you call yourselves a Christian, we've been showed the ultimate mercy. We've been showed the ultimate mercy we don't deserve no matter what happens in the rest of this life. We've been showed the ultimate mercy no matter of a bitter divorce. We've been showed the ultimate mercy no matter if you don't understand the death. We've been showed the ultimate mercy by God and His goodness sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and and bear your sin debt and, and bear my sin debt. And He rose again and He defeated death and He took the keys from hell out of his uh, Satan's hand and we have hope today not because of COVID or not COVID you have hope today not because of a good marriage or the lack of it you have hope today not because you're pretty or you're cute or you don't feel that you are you have hope today because you are the child of God and your hope is not in a circumstance and your hope is not in the election and your hope is not in the president and your hope is not in mom and dad you can have hope in our Savior Jesus Christ and when you get excited about the fact that you have the ultimate mercy and the mercy that you don't have to pay for your sins and the mercy that you don't have to spend eternal life in hell and you can spend eternal life in heaven, we can get excited about showing other people mercy and not worry about ourselves so much. And he says, go and do the same. Hey, you may be broken, but go and show mercy. 
You may be discouraged, but you can still show mercy. You may be down, but you can show mercy. And what this world needs is not more debates. And what this world needs is not ugliness in churches. And what this world needs is not you to memorize the whole New Testament. They need you to practice the New Testament, showing mercy that was shown you. And man, I want to preach a little longer, but I'm out of breath. Mercy. I have to tell you, as a pastor, I've been on an emotional roller coaster ride. From being shown hate to Christians, I never thought I'd be shown hate to. From preaching on racism. From people upset because of something I don't even know. And then my emotions of watching marriages crumble over COVID-19. Counseling a teenage girl because she's starving herself because of Instagram. I could go on and on and on. And we all are dealing with messes. And we all are dealing with issues. And we're all dealing with problems. But as a child of God, our hope is not of this world. And I just dream in this season And I just pray in this moment that we would put our eyes off of what we can't even control to begin with. We would love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, and show others mercy. Because the person you may happen to talk to today may be more down and dire straits more than ever in their life. You're watching me online. You have self-worth because God gave you that worth. And don't you let a Facebook post, and don't you let an Instagram with muscular figures, don't you let a hateful dad or a mom that's confused allow you to absorb your self-worth. We are children of the one true king. Why can't we show others mercy that he's shown us? And sometimes mercy mom and dad is no. And sometimes love is not yet. And if you're suited in this room, I know it may be foreign. And I know you may not like me for a season. But if I can encourage your mom and dad to protect you from the evils of this world. When you're my age. You'll live a life of mercy. You've been given mercy. Go do the same. But Mark, you don't know what I'm going through. You've been given mercy. Go do the same. Mark, I lost my job. You've been given mercy. Go do the same. I lost the love of my life. You've been given mercy. Go do the same. I've been hurt in life. My childhood, you've been given mercy because one day you're going to escape that childhood. And one day you're going to escape that financial pressure. And one day, but just not yet, but one day heaven will be our home and will fall at the feet of Jesus because the Bible says every knee shall bow 
Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Why waste your time in a debate? Why waste your time with haters? Why waste your time impressing people that don't even know you and you don't even like? Why waste your time worrying with your phone? Live your life to the fullest and living life to the fullest when Jesus Christ will allow you out of the abundance overflow. Show compassion and give others mercy. Mercy. As we close online, in this room, there's seasons of life. Listen to me now. In the Christian life, there's seasons when you don't feel it. In marriage, listen to me, there's seasons you're not going to feel it. As a child of God, you're going to think he's not even there because this is a broken world. But I tell you this, he's there. And you have an opportunity right now to turn to him and release your issues and follow the two commands that are given. Love God, love others, show people mercy that have shown by, by, by showing who God gave you mercy. Would you bow your heads in this room? Online, before you go, before you go online. Let me ask you some questions. I don't think you can escape heaviness right now. Everywhere we turn, there seems to be some bad news. We need a revival of Jesus' followers where we don't make church a weekend event, but we embrace the mercy of an almighty holy God. Maybe you have so many regrets with rearing your children. You're not dead and God's not done. Maybe you have regrets with your marriage and Maybe you have regrets with a boy or a girl. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just hear my heart. Say, Pastor Mark, I've been focusing on other things. But today God's speaking to me. My success as a Christian is to be useful in compassion. I'm releasing daily the things I can't control and I'm going to show compassion because he's shown compassion would you pray with me I'm committing to do that I'm going to show compassion in a marriage there seems to be no love I'm going to show compassion to strangers I'm going to show compassion to things whatever it's baby lift your hands up high lift your up and say I'm committing to this yes yes in the room do a wave emoji online. Do it now. You're committing to this right now. So we're going to pray. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know for sure I'm in a relationship with Jesus. All that yelling and hollering about our hope. I'm not sure I know if I have a hope in eternal life. I want you to pray for me. If there's a way for me to know that I can have eternal life, I want to know right now. I want to know. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you? Be so bold. No one's looking but me. I'm not going to embarrass you. Come to you. Say, Pastor Mark, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm in a relationship with Jesus on my way to heaven. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, Pastor Mark, pray for me. 
If you raised your hands, would you just listen to me for a second? The Bible says this. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of ourselves, lest any man would boast. He says, for whosoever will call upon the name will be saved. The Bible says this in Romans, that if you confess your mouth and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's done all the work. He's given you the ultimate mercy online in this room. Right now, you can accept the free gift with a childlike faith. Just believe. Say, I'm accepting this gift. Let me help you with the prayer to talk to God. Bow your heads right there in your family room, in your kitchen, in this room right here. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting only you in a relationship to heaven. Thank you for saving me. I trust you now. With your heads bowed, it's not a prayer that gets you to heaven. It's the belief in your heart. You say, Pastor Mark, I prayed. I prayed and I'm believing and I'm trusting and I'm starting that relationship with Jesus right now. I'm accepting the free gift. I know I'll never be good enough. I'm accepting it. Would you lift your hand and let me know how to pray for you? Anyone like that in this room? You say, Pastor Mark, I prayed this prayer. Anyone in this room? God bless you. If you're online, let us know. Direct messages, whatever. Email us, care at hamiltonhills.org. Let's pray together. Father, as I pray, I pray over heavy hearts. I pray over despair. I pray over people who are trying so hard to save their life. There's confusion. Our emotions derail us. I pray for someone watching me online right now who is trapped. I pray for people in this room, young ladies and young men, that are putting their self-worth in other things. We know and we agree together that praying to you is the work. And I pray that chains would break. And I pray that Hamilton Hills would go deeper in their faith more than ever before and live a life of good Samaritans because of the mercy that was given to us. Give us boldness, protect our hearts and minds. We release our life to you. May we Bring back your love to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.